Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fincheck with Fintech, the PCN podcast series where we talk to industry experts about payments and fintech, from open banking to blockchain and much more. Enjoy listening. Welcome, uh, Peter, on the show. Um, um, you are obviously uh, quite the well-known figure within the fintech space, but uh, I think our listeners are curious to learn a bit more about you. You're a serial entrepreneur, I would say, and you're also quite the podcast professional, right? I think you've done 50 podcasts last year, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Amazing. All right, perfect. Well, that's smooth sailing for me as a host, so that's always good news. Um, <laughs> we start, Peter, by giving a little bit of an introduction. Would you like? Would you mind giving an intro on yourself, but also on Ultimate, the company you're a co-founder of? Yeah, exactly. So um, actually, it's, I'm, I'm kind of um, uh, somebody who came into the fintech space. Let's say by let's call it by accident. Um, so I, I'm originally I'm a, I'm a software developer, um, and I finance my my studies with doing software development back in the days. Um, and um, but kind of like when the projects became bigger, this uh, let made me um, entrepreneur for the for the first time because I, I found like a software development company out of university. Um, and then fast fast forward, so when I wanted to also start working in startup companies, and uh, in the end, uh, Berlin is kind of the the main center of the of the ecosystem. And in Germany, I, I moved to Berlin, joined the company builder that uh, first worked in, in advertising technology uh, and uh, almost uh, at, the, at the date when I joined, um, they decided to also move into the fintech space, uh, which was, was my segue into, into fintech and banking and banking infrastructure as well. Uh, but it's, uh, it was a really, really cool step for me because uh, I really learned a lot uh, along the journey. Um, and uh, yeah, after we started FinLeap um, and uh, my team was prototyping on new ventures for, the, for that company builder, Solaris Bank was created. Um, I was able to join as a co-founder, uh, which was uh, um, probably my uh, one of my most uh, exciting positions that I that had so far. Because I think uh, usually you uh, maybe found a bank once in your life, uh, so um, so this was this was my my big moment here, um, being there from from the very beginning, kind of like fifth employee, uh, and then moving up to uh, almost three hundred, building up all the all the technology um, as the CTO. But then also getting infected with the crypto virus um, in end of 2016, thinking a lot about how to um, also innovate financial service infrastructure with using blockchain tokenization and and all these uh, and all these buzzwords, um, build up a, a stock like a like a crypto exchange for for a stock a stock exchange company for Börse Stuttgart for two years and now with Ultimate we want to bring DeFi to the masses. Um, and our product is a non-custodial wallet, which is really easy to use, which gives you access to decentralized finance and, and all these uh, new worlds of um, financial service infrastructure. Um, and we're doing it for one year now. Uh, we are more than 30 employees already uh, launched in 100 countries. Um, and now, uh, yeah, uh, start the journey from here with the uh, also improving um, trading experience and uh, anything related to that. Awesome. Well, I'm curious to learn a bit more about your views on the DeFi and, and crypto market. But maybe first, you, like you said, you founded several companies, right? Is it is there something addictive about finding companies, about being kind of a serial entrepreneur? Is there something that just keeps enticing you, or why you choose? Okay, I'll find another find another company instead of maybe joining someone else who already has an established company. 
Well, I, I think there are a lot of people who are, were really addicted to become a serious inter, uh, serial, uh, serial entrepreneur, uh, just like as as like a goal. I think I accidentally also um, came into that because I, I was like simply always doing things that I like to do, um, and uh, also of, of course I always want to have a progression and learn something new. Uh, and I somehow found out for for myself over the past probably 15 years that due um, to, to my skill sets, it's uh, most suited to really be in the very beginning of a company. It's kind of like really, so if you don't have a product, you don't have employees, you don't have money, you don't uh, have like customers and uh, you have no IP, no technology. Um, so that's a really situation I can deal very easily with. So just like really finding finding trade-offs, finding the, the right people, building a culture, uh, building a culture that also attracts more people that uh, want to take um, also a lot of responsibility and build something up and so on. And I think over the past, over the past years, I was uh, yeah I was involved in creating six companies now and um, of course plus of course the also the companies that started at the company builders so uh, I think I'm I'm really really proficient in uh, like being in companies in the in the very first uh, in the very first years helping to building it up uh, bring it to the market and um, yeah so when it comes to scalability is also I've seen that at Solaris so with 300 employees if you don't know the names of everyone anymore and uh, somehow things like uh, need to be scaled from whatever 15 teams to to 30 teams uh, there's probably also uh, the, the people who are really proficient in doing that like uh, kind of really building building up structure uh, and uh, and management um, management layers uh, for me it's really about like working directly with people and uh, being a guide uh, for for them and, and leading them and uh, yeah creating something great i can definitely see that proficiency if you found it uh six companies like you said uh, that's even excluding the ones that you had for the uh, for the company builder is that you you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel right you can learn and gain experience and knowledge from finding the previous company to find the next company even better than the previous one so i think that's pretty cool exactly and uh, i would i would even say like every time when i moved like from from one company or from one project to the to the next one i always had like massive learnings so, so when i remember back from my first company like the software development company uh to coming to to berlin I uh, really had to learn the hard way that in in my, in my first uh, company like a lot of things were somehow centralized to to me as a as like a one of the founders so like being uh being involved like in um Kind of like attracting talent, attracting customers, uh, building stuff, and and so on. Um, and it took me really a long time to carve myself out of this of this company and really hand over everything. And um, from that moment onwards, I I was always thinking, hey, let's uh, let's build companies in a way that not everything is depending on me because I need to have kind of enough uh, yeah enough um, freedom and enough flexibility really to focus on the future and uh, creating opportunities and uh, and really uh, guiding with a vision and so on and that's kind of the main job of a of a yeah of a founder and of a managing director and uh, yeah so but yeah, also then from also solaris to the to the next position so there was like every time i really reflected myself okay what what was good was what uh, uh, did I do in a, in a good way? What didn't I do in a, in a good way? And I always try to improve. And I think uh, that's also a huge opportunity if you can work that way, um, if you can really learn in, in, in big steps. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a really great opportunity. Yeah, I think that open-mindedness is uh, what helps you, I think, to develop as a person, but definitely also develop the companies that you, uh, that you found. Um, 
Yeah, I think what our listeners are interested in is you obviously have a lot of knowledge when it comes to fintech, but even more so specific towards kind of crypto and DeFi, right? So let's maybe look at where now end of January, let's look at the current state of crypto. Uh, I think we all know we are in a, in a crypto winter. We always have Binance slashing uh, uh, their staff with FTX collapse. We have Genesis filing for bankruptcy protection. There's a lot of stuff going on. How do you view the current state of the crypto market? Yeah, so, um, so uh, 2022 was a really interesting year and I think also a very impactful year because we've seen the tremendous growth before. Um, so kind of, um, so I always called it, there's a different waves of crypto. Yeah, so there was like wave zero. So um, the like Bitcoin and Ethereum blockchain have been invented kind of like as a decentralized database to to make transactions um, kind of without an intermediary. Yeah, so, so that, that was its uh, core purpose. Um, in wave one, um, people started to realize that the price of Bitcoin, the price of crypto assets was uh, almost rising all the time, um, kind of. Um, so people wanted to trade it and uh, that led us into into like a huge trading industry that uh, also in 2022 we had all the discussions around the Mika regulation market and crypto assets um, so that the European uh, countries get like a like a harmonized crypto regulation and this is all like about centralized companies who offer crypto services for example crypto trading and crypto custody. Um, then kind of the, the summer of DeFi happened, which from my perspective is uh, the wave two, like or the second wave um, of crypto, because um, somehow the kind of like the it's it all went back to kind of what for what crypto and blockchain has been invented for. So uh, people um, are self-custodial, so they are their own bank and uh, they consume financial services that are offered through smart contracts on, on the blockchain. And to me, it's that's the big separation. There's like wave one centralized companies. So you have to trust them and they provide services to you. And in the second wave, in the DeFi wave, there is um, smart contracts kind of um, digitizing financial services, like getting a loan or investing or trading on a DEX uh, and offering that to customers directly without an intermediary. And um, now talking about the crisis and uh, the state of crypto end of January 2023. Um, so we've seen these uh, like wave one companies or at least many of them fail. So like FTX, Genesis and, and so on, um, they um, like went into bankruptcy. And um, the, the problem is, that um, these centralized companies are almost like working, working like a bank, but in fact they aren't, right? So there, there was no regulation for for FTX, so they simply did what they, yeah, what they, what they wanted to do, and of course there have been some, let's say, uh, criminal people involved um, who uh, were not acting like in in the sense of the customers. Um, and uh, now regulation will start to regulate them. At the same time, DeFi was pretty stable and um, kind of, uh, yeah, people started to move their their assets on non-custodial wallets um, over time and now start to use uh, and to adopt um, decentralized exchanges uh, to trade uh, and instead of the centralized ones. So therefore, so what are the two learnings for me? Um, so the first one is, so if there's like a centralized company and uh, it's somehow working like a bank, I think um, there need to be rules so that uh, that people can trust them, that they're really working the way um, everyone is expecting it, or you um, yeah go on on the new rails, so like DeFi, decentralized exchanges, non-custodial wallets, and you take the opportunity to really control everything yourself and become your own bank, and then of course you only need to trust yourself and nobody else. Interesting. 
because so there's two waves you say right? centralized companies um like binance and like ftx who started as wave one then yeah the summer DeFi, which is wave two now we're in a crisis i just one of the things themes or products that is also part for me of the crypto blockchain kind of waves is the nfts where do you think that is part of or where does that fit in yeah so um i think the the nfts are also also part of the kind of the of the of the second wave kind of like it's at least happened at the same time with the with the um with the sum of DeFi and also somehow also fueling fueling it um especially when you when you use nfts also like as a access token for for DAO communities and and so on um at the same time nfts became like a a pretty um, attractive um, crypto asset for for people to trade um so uh yeah we've seen OpenSea, for example developing over time which is a centralized company um where you can where you can trade nfts um you've seen also kind of <laughs> lawsuits uh, against employees of um, of OpenSea, kind of front running uh, prices um, uh, on their uh, on their marketplace and uh, and so on and so forth which again so it it, it just shows like if there's like a like a centralized service being offered by by somebody um we're always pretty pretty close to uh, traditional financial services and kind of all its defects that they have kind of like people front running people doing fraud um, you can trust them and so on um but yeah so we we really have to learn to anticipate the the new decentralized infrastructure and really learn to trust the code we can also talk about um, how how to solve that um, but I think um, like a machine in the end, if it's uh, programmed the right way and it has, it, if it has the right instructions, it's way more trustworthy than a human. That's an interesting perspective. Why do you think that? Because uh, I think there's um, still people do a lot of manual work, especially when it comes to AML and KYC, right? There is, yes, there's software solutions. So there is obviously builds that and relies on that too. Um, why do you think that a good running or well-built machine can replace humans? So it can always replace humans in terms of efficiency, right? Yeah. So kind of, um, do you, you have a, a way better cost structure if like a machine automizes everything? So I think that's that's for sure. So that's 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 law for for the for the past uh, 30, 40 years. Um, but then when it comes to to regulated um, to regulated companies and regulated services, so there's there's this one aspect that I learned at Solaris Bank because um, so when you build build up a bank, um, it's uh, it's all about kind of like building an organization which is trustworthy yeah and um, so like all the regulation and rule sets existing for example in germany it's the mi risk and the bait so it's like minimum requirements for for also um uh, for technical services and technical technical infrastructure and um, and all these rules are built in a way that um, for example if a, if a bank builds up a recovery service for the pin number of a bank account um, you somehow need to prevent that kind of the call center agent is able to to use that code herself and access to the to the bank account and whatever wire money somewhere. Um, so in the end, it's like there's like a lot of processes and controls that you build up just to make sure that nobody from inside the bank can manipulate anything. Mm -hmm. So and um, so, but now also like looking back the past three years. In Germany, we had the Wirecard scandal. So Wirecard was a bank; it was regulated. There were auditing companies. Uh, they were there in there like for whatever twenty years, yeah. uh, auditing stuff. But still, there was manipulation. So why is that? So because humans always like 
they don't stick to the process they do whatever they want and even if they uh, whatever they they're affected for uh kind of they have money problems or they have uh, uh kind of like whatever drug problems and so on so they're effective for for manipulation um and to make things easier or to just like benefit from it and if there's like criminal behavior involved so like it with wirecard um they will always find a way to to manipulate something so the human is, is really creative in in manipulating something now comparing it to the machine so the machine is just following ins instructions like if greater than zero then uh, do this if smaller than zero do this if equal zero then do this yeah so it's you have control structures um you usually so like with the very very uh, lightweight example that i just made you cover like all situations like things can be smaller than zero equal zero greater than zero mm -hmm. um and um, and in the end you can put instructions that uh, really cover all the cases and at the same time so if the machine is fed with these with these instructions it will always do it like that yeah so the machine will never decide like hey uh, this other computer or i do a transaction with uh we met in a in a chip factory in in taiwan and uh, so he's a friend and so let's let's do something um this will never happen the machine always follows the instructions and um, coming to compliance topics and uh, where it's really important to follow a certain rule set I think the machine is simply the, the better workforce for regulated companies to uh, yeah, execute uh, the rules and uh, really to follow the principles. Interesting. So basically machines will take over at some point, especially when it comes to financial regulation. Yeah. So then I think the um when yeah when when also looking into traditional finance whatever uh, marketplaces like stock trading marketplaces or uh, pci compliance and so on it's like uh it's all about um kind of like building up compliance measures that somehow deal with the fact that humans are involved kind of like who has uh, control to the database and who can take what decisions who's deploying the updates on the infrastructure and so on it's like everything is like about um, us humans but imagine so if we're able to build a financial service so also like a, like a payments business or like a, a trading business in a way where it's just a piece of software running somewhere and um, let's assume this uh, the software is validated upfront so by auditors by regulators by whatever instance um, who uh, can can create trust um, and then this um, the service is just operated by a machine and everyone can access it um, so that's from my perspective the beauty about decentralized finance and kind of like it's uh, its first principles so do you have a public blockchain so that's the public infrastructure and the public database to make the transactions these transactions are transparent um this infrastructure can execute code yeah so there's like a like a virtual machine executing executing the, the code of the financial service uh, everyone can access it and uh, it's transparent to, to everyone and uh, so i think that the only part which is missing is um, that there's at the moment like many teams are uh, are working with uh, auditing companies especially to for doing the security audits um but uh, there's no let's say uh no instance um which is uh, let's say globally accepted um that also does like functionality tests and and so on and really making sure that uh, certain rules are applied but if this would exist in the future and i'm pretty pretty sure this will um then uh, that's definitely the much better much more scalable and much more secure form of uh, providing financial services to to people 
Are you struggling to plan your hiring strategy for 2023 in today's market? PCN is here to help. We offer a step-by-step -step consultation to provide tailored solutions to improve your hiring plan. Contact us today by visiting teampcn.com contact us to schedule your consultation and let us help you be ahead of your competition. Yeah, let's talk maybe a bit more then because you, there's two learnings you said, right? This was very much more about uh, decentralized finance. If we look at decentralized companies like an FTX, for example, you say they need to adhere to uh, a clear set of regulations, which is not the case right now. So take the example of FTX. Do you think the failure of that company or the collapse of FTX is solely due to regulation not being in place or also to the overall way that uh, SBF is running this company? Well, I think it's um, it starts with the second thing you said and leads into the first thing um, because because in the end, um, of course, like as long as there's like let's say one uh, one one genius or like one uh, management installed that really just thinks yeah uh, thinks um, like in a system theory way I, I would call so just like really asking is everything that I do is this right or not. Yeah, so like if, if people would would be like that or if SPF and this management team would have acted like that, I think we wouldn't have had the, the problem that that occurred. Yeah, so because I think just like to give like loans to different companies and just like really benefiting from something per personally and so on, I think you don't need to read a, a book about regulation to just like if you really ask like, am I doing the right thing here? Yeah. So this is it's just like a matter of reflection. And I think um, like FTX is a really good example, kind of like how like human nature is. Yes, yeah, kind of like they they prob probably started with good intentions and um, then whatever. Yeah, there was much money involved and uh, huge power play. Um, and then they they somehow got on, on the wrong side, um, wrong side uh, like of, the, of all developments. Um, in the end, kind of, uh, if regulation would have been there uh, installed already, um, this would have made it a little bit more more easy to follow the guidelines and kind of to make sure that that people are acting in in common sense. But uh, but in fact, in, in SPF and in the FTX case, it, it didn't happen. Uh, and uh, yeah, so now the the customers have to have to see where uh, where they are and uh, how to get their money back. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to go back to your earlier point. It's run by humans and those humans are prone to opinions and they're dynamic uh, other than uh, maybe a machine or a piece of software that would uh, follow yeah. a set of rules. Yeah. And then also, also been looking back in history of financial services. So um, kind of like regulation it was not coming kind of like out of the out of nowhere. So usually reg regulation is something reactive. Yeah. So they're kind of in the beginning of banking, there was no regulation. And then kind of there, there were the first cases of uh, fraud and uh, whatever money was stolen uh, or whatever uh, playing with uh, customers' money um, in a too extreme form. And then like the Basel requirements have been introduced and, and so on and uh, like front running protection and MIFID and so on. It's like this was all reactive or like this was all a reaction to misuse of markets and of people who did things that uh, kind of were against uh, fair markets and customer protection and so on it is like how how regulation happened over time um and um, so like even if there's no no crypto regulation uh, right now like uh, at least on a, on a global level i still believe that some of these 
kind of like financial regulation aspects like front running and so on are kind of like if you think in the in the system system theory way just like really for reflecting about yourself you would not ever do it because you would call it unfair if somebody's doing it to you yeah um and uh, i think this is always the best measure it's just like everything you do just if you kind of like twisted by 180 degrees and somebody would do it to you would it feel right if not then you shouldn't do it talking about regulation you are a member of the, of the digital financial forum right for the german government are you or to what extent are you involved in the shaping of that regulation uh, right now for germany um, europe uh, globally yeah so the, the digital finance forum in germany is a really really great initiative to to be in conversation with the current uh, government um, like on a constant basis so we meet like four times uh, at least a year uh, so with uh, some additional meetings um and um, just like really to uh yeah so we we developed an agenda so for example for the for the crypto topics of course mika and uh, the local implementation is a, is a huge topic for for german uh, german companies and um but yeah it's, it's also like a like a forum really to to talk about the future and uh, anything else which is coming um very interesting for for us from the crypto industry is that the German um, legislature or the German government is um, is uh, planning to introduce also a digital stock um, in the during the next two and a half years. Um, so there's already the electronic security that has been introduced um, already some time ago, and uh, now they want to also broaden it to or bring it to to stocks. Um, and uh, blockchain can be a settlement infrastructure for for that. Um, I think these these topics are really interesting about um, when when shaping kind of the regulatory environment of a, of a single country and really like bringing in our ideas and just making making sure that the the spirit of um, being permissionless and uh, and open and transparent that this uh, that this remains because there is enough forces also just trying to keep everything like it is right now kind of like keep banking and stock exchanges and uh, and all the settlement infrastructure with clearing houses and uh not being global like the, the current um the current financial service system is not global yeah so it's uh, we it's it's like a local local solutions connected through swift um we can have a global infrastructure with blockchain and um, and that's what uh, what we're fighting for um but at the same time germany is also one country within within the european union um so it's very important to also involve on uh, on the european level um i'm for example pretty active on um blockchain for europe like in, in this association and also commenting on uh, papers and <clears throat> suggestion from the european commission and uh, and different players on the european side as well because yeah and yeah so the so some of the laws will be implemented on the on the german level but they will be made on the european level so therefore in these days it's also really important to be active on the european level Really cool to be so close to the uh, to the action. Uh, I can imagine if you are so close to the action. To use my own words, paraphrase myself. Um, where do you see these regulators have the most difficulties with? Is it creating regulation around the decentralized finance side of crypto blockchain, let's say, or is it creating regulation for these centralized uh, crypto exchanges, or is it both? Yeah. Well, so, so with the with the Mika regulation, um, I think um, the efforts of the past two and a half years really, uh, yeah, led into having a having a suitable regulation for centralized centralized companies. So I think the the most easy way to call it is uh, that uh, something like 
FTX would not happen in Germ in, in Europe anymore mm. once the Mika becomes active because um, it's like really extensive rules on how to run a centralized crypto business. Um, so I think which is good for everyone. So like the the companies uh, now have the way to passport within Europe, and you have like uh, uh, kind of comparable markets and with the same standards and so on. I think this will make it more easy for those companies to, to operate. Uh, at the same time, the customers get get protection and also the same same standards everywhere. So I think for, for European citizens, this is this is quite good. Um, well, the stablecoin regulation included in Mika um, uh, often is criticized by me because um, I think uh, stablecoins is a really, really great a uh, really, really great technology and a really, really great idea also to bridge between the current financial service infrastructure and and uh, the future one on the blockchain. Because once you have, for example, a tokenized euro money um, or tokenized uh, tokenized governmental money, you can suddenly start start to send it around the globe without SEPA and, and SWIFT. You can do this on, on blockchain, on the, on the Ethereum blockchain, uh, almost in real time. Um, and kind of you can code it, you can pro it's, it's programmable money, uh, you can use it in DeFi. So I think this is such a such a big opportunity just with one step porting the traditional money into a completely new technical world. Um, so, the, so therefore, I'm a, I'm a big stablecoin fan, and uh, yeah. So this, uh, yeah. So we we should really really embrace that that technology and that approach because we can do a lot of stuff with that. When it comes to the to the decentralized um, projects and and DeFi in general and and regulation, so at the moment. Um, and you asked about the difficulties um, for for regulators and for politicians. I think there's um, really a lot of uh, different aspects. Um, what my, what makes it difficult? I think the the, the first one is um, it's it's very difficult to understand. Um, still, there like there are many politicians who do a really really good job um, wrapping their head around it and uh, trying to understand it. But still, like really understanding it deeply and also kind of really learning to embrace it so like i explained with uh, how this can be useful in terms of regulation yeah so it can really solve problems of the of the traditional service infrastructure um this is very difficult to understand at the same time the whole space is like very geeky and hmm. uh, yeah uh non uh non uh, financial services like um, so therefore, it's um, I think often also very difficult to really understand the people behind and and their motivation. And when this crosses with whatever libertarian thoughts and getting rid of governments and so on, I think this is uh, usually the the DeFi world and let's say the the politicians world usually doesn't manage to communicate with each other because people are so different. And um, that's uh, that's the reason also why we started to involve ourselves or also me personally, because I really try like uh, C3PO from, from Star Wars, really try to create like a line of communication be between uh, between everyone, um, just by explaining like the opportunity of, of DeFi that can also help like politicians. So like Wirecard would not happen again if this would be a computer doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, um, explaining to the to DeFi people, hey, um, regulation is not bad, yes, because like if there's like common rules for all market participants, and um, and the customers can really trust into into these services, and there are certain certain rules that gives them the trust into these services. That's also good for everyone, yes. It's good for the politicians, for the states, for the people, and also for the entrepreneurs um, building the stuff, and uh, and therefore 
yeah so we yeah over the over the past one and a half years really did a did a good job getting a lot of people on the table and having a lot of bilateral discussions and and conversations and i think we already moved moved a lot forwards so to um and in the end um, also make europe a pretty crypto and DeFi friendly jurisdiction because um, so if we anticipate um, the opportunity and uh, really grab it and uh, create a friendly space for that we can really become home of uh, the future of uh, financial services also uh, also worldwide yeah it's interesting i came from um a money network let's say being used by criminals to being known to the wider public to now going into indeed regulation needs to be written around it and we need to make this a normal way of uh, transacting um i think it's really cool and, and like you said the fact that you can wear many hats and have been in a fintech yourself is uh very helpful i guess for these kind of shapes yeah <clears throat> yeah but there, but there's also kind of as you as, as you um uh said it yourself now kind of like this network uh, only used by criminals so i think yeah. this is like so there's so many numbers um, also showing that um, that's not that much criminals using it. And uh, of course, like if you go to the darknet, um, it's the it's the most uh, most used currency or like payment system. But why is that? Yes, yeah. because you can't use whatever your Visa MasterCard in the dark web because yeah, the, the marketplace is just uh, not yeah. existing. And you also can't pay with cash. So kind of like, okay, it's it's true that cryptocurrencies like for, for that use case is probably the, the closest instrument to use, but still like Bitcoin and, uh, and Ethereum and others are, are traceable and you, you find the people behind and there's like tons of, um, of cases where criminals have been, have been arrested um, simply because it's so easy to follow the transactions. And even if you talk to financial prosecutors um, and, uh, and just like ask them about like their life and, they do like the follow the money all the all day. That's their job. Follow yeah. the money. And um, if uh, criminals are paying in cash, and uh, I think Germany is a is like a is a mecca for um, using cash and uh, using mm -hmm. it also in a the, in the criminal space. And like everyone knows that. Um, and also like in, in dimensions, volumes, and sizes, it's like way more than um, like in crypto worldwide um so so in the end um i think it's very easy to say like crypto is used by criminals because it's the main the main way to pay in, in the dark web but i think in terms of volumes and um, where uh, criminal transactions are made um cash is still yeah the like in volumes the biggest the biggest uh, instrument um, to to make these transactions and at the same time also still the best instrument because it's completely anonymous and uh, cryptocurrencies are not anonymous yeah i think the the stigma that has been built around crypto in the past is uh due to the unknown that came with crypto right people became fearful and that's why they saw these things happening with criminals now the ftx collapsed i think that just for them gives them a confirmation bias towards you see we are not there yet and this is still a dodgy way of payment so that's why i think that's maybe a, a nice bridge to my next uh, question the future of crypto is heavily dependent on regulation Do, would you agree with that um well so i think um, regulation will open it to the masses yeah. yeah so it's kind of like if we have common standards for market participants and uh, for customer protection i think there uh, is like way more reasons for people to to tap into into this uh, into this new space and uh, really trust it and really start to use it. So last question, let's circle that back to the beginning. You're obviously CTO and co-founder of Ultimate. What is next for you guys in light of that kind of future of, of crypto? What are you working on at the moment, which is exciting this year? 
Yeah, so well, our, our company is not that old, so we are one and a half years old yeah. now. Um, we managed to go live with the with the wallet and making it very easy to invest into DeFi. Um, so next step for us will be to connect to more chains. So at the moment, we're based on the Solana blockchain. Um, Ethereum blockchain uh, is, is on its way, um, launching also an Android version. Uh, currently, we're only on uh, on iOS um, available in the App Store. And um, so that's kind of like the, the short term, the short term aspects. And um, so next step for, for the application will be to really uh, build the, the best and greatest um, trading experience for, for DeFi, because um, you mentioned in the beginning that many people started to move from, from centralized exchanges to decentralized exchanges and um, to, to non-custodial self-hosted wallets, simply because they just want to trust themselves and uh, have control over every transaction that they're doing. And um, DEXs are a great way also to trade with crypto assets and with cryptocurrencies. Um, this works pretty well. And uh, but the experience of trading still, uh, yeah, it's not it's not as great as on, on the centralized exchanges. And uh, yeah, we're going to change that um, and make it very easy, give you pro tools uh, for for trading. And uh, so that's the that's the next next step in the evolution and uh, further or like afterwards. Um, of course, we're listening to our customers. Um, so what they what they want and uh, what what's missing in the space. And uh, yeah, so it's a it's a very customer driven development. And uh, yeah, so we're curious where where it takes us. Very exciting, uh, absolutely. If people listening now want to follow that journey or want to learn more about you, where should they go? So um, you can. Um, so if you if you want to to follow me, so I'm, I'm Peter Lee. So Peter. L-I-H on, on Twitter. Um, and uh, you can also add me or follow me on, on LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm publishing a lot of uh, a lot of content there and uh, just really try to uh, give uh, give insights also in uh, upcoming regulation and so on. You can, of course, also follow Ultimate on, on Twitter. So it's Ultimate Money. Um, it's, the, it's the handle. And um, of course, you can find us in the App Store, uh, download the application. Ultimate is, is the application name and um, give us uh, your feedback. So if we really solved, uh, solved uh, DeFi and made it, made it easier or what other improvements we can, we can build in. So you still need people to develop the machine. Well, so so we're <laughs> we're more than thirty people already, so so we're we're doing pretty pretty good job, uh, and also our engineering is really 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 good, and uh, so the yeah so the, everyone is doing a really really good job. It's big, it's a lot of fun, uh, sure. but yeah, still it's uh, so if we if 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 we find it now easy, it doesn't mean that everyone finds it easy. No. <laughs> so therefore, it's very important to to get the feedback. So true, yeah. Awesome, Peter. Well, thanks for being on the show. Uh, thanks for sharing your views on the uh, crypto winter, the future of crypto uh, and how we got here. Um, it's been great to have you and, and thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you for inv inviting me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Inchup with Fintech. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the like button and leave us a comment below to join the discussion. We'll be having more industry leaders soon, so don't forget to subscribe as well in order to stay updated with the latest episodes from our podcast.